episode 64, December 29th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear, And this is Greg Weiss. How you doing, Greg? <laughs> All right. It's almost New Year's. Almost. So Just let me say we finish up the year with uh, some really good beers. That, you know, sounds like an excellent idea. Okay, tonight we're doing Imperial Stouts. One of my favorite styles. Oh, when wintertime comes around, I can hear the Imperial... Stout Santa Claus coming around delivering Imperial Stouts to all the good boys and girls. Well, let's just jump right in, because I mean, these are Imperial Stouts. Let's go. Let's do this one. Okay, first one we're going to do is the uh, Raven's Eye from Eel River. All right. Fortuna, California, not Fontana. Greg's looking for the notes, and he's not going to find any. I have no notes here. I only have emails. Sorry. It's, it's the holiday season still. It is. We're We're all kind of lazy. My New Year's resolution... Is to stop being lazy. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Yeah. Okay. So pours so, beautiful. Yeah, pours in you know complete blackness. Uh, no highlights at all. It's got about a finger's worth of uh, sort of a dark, uh, chewy looking head, and smells of toffee and uh, a little bit of chocolate and molasses, maybe caramel. It is 9.5% alcohol by volume, and this is not one of their organically certified beers. Maybe Eel River is known for having a lot of organic right. certified beers. Maybe a bit of a coffee aroma in here, too. It's got a very complex and a luscious aroma. Yeah, it's it's not like roast, and it's not just alcohol. There's a mix of a little bit of coffee coming into it, and it's definitely a... A smoother aroma than you get from some Imperial Stouts, where it's just very... Yeah, one note. Very um, solventy, you know, with the alcohol. Well, cheers. Mm. <laughs> now, to me, the flavor isn't as Imperial Stoutish as I first thought. It tasted rather portery to me. There's a little bit of the astringency there that you kind of associate with porter. Yeah, the astringency from the porter. A lot of that... Roasted flavor, where in Imperial Stout, I'm more so looking at um, silkiness, sort of? silkiness, yeah. um, kind of a combination between how do I want to describe it? All the words coming to my head sound bad. <laughs> um, I'll say it, it's like that, that tinny type malt that you get from Imperial Stouts, where it's kind of almost burnt, burnt. Oh, see, not quite astringent, but mm, it's almost a metallic taste. But that's yeah, it sounds horrible. But it's you know, Imperial Stouts is done in a good way. It's it, a good it, metal. I wish I could think of how to describe like, it better. Like drinking mercury. If you want to send us feedback, you can send us a email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. There's a um, dig.com has podcasting now. Oh, cool! So you can go dig us on dig.com. Dig us, baby. D i g g. You can always check out our, our forums. There's a lot of activity going on in our forums. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. On craftbeerradio.com, we have the forums and our content management system. We'll be doing the um, the multi-brew experiment um, starting in January. We're going to work out the details. We're going to do the CBR blind. So we got some good stuff coming up. And I'm working on interviews. We're going to get some interviews lined up. It's about time. Yeah, I know. We haven't done interviews in a long time. And i got some people who are interested, and we're going to have some good ones. Excellent. As long as I'm any good at interviewing them. Great can bail me out. 
I'm trying to figure out more of the t- flavors here because I'm still getting kind of a, a cocoa-ish mm-hmm. um, and sort of a chocolate. Not really getting the coffee flavor. There's more of a coffee around. Doesn't it taste like a flavor. porter more so than an imperial style? It kind of has a little bit of the porter quality. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, it kind of has a little bit of strain and she, a little bit of, of the bitterness coming around the back. Um, and, the, and that full, oh, how do I put it? The, the powdery roast type. Yeah, flavor. yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and it, you know, I don't really detect the alcohol so much, even though it's nine point five percent. It's not really highlighted. Here. <laughs> It'll sneak up on you, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, one. by the time we're done, I mean, we got four bombers. <laughs> <laughs> bombers are the twenty two ounce bottles. For any listeners who uh, might be just joining us recently, well, let's bring up the BJCP guide for um, Imperial Stouts and let's see how this one fits and how others may fit. Okay. Okay. So this is the Imperial Stout or the Russian Imperial Stout style. The aroma, it says, it should be rich and complex, variable amounts of, excuse me, variable amounts of roasted grains, maltiness, fruity esters, hops, and alcohol. Roasted malt character can take on coffee, dark chocolate, or slightly burnt tones. can be light to moderately strong. Malt aroma can be subtle to rich and barley wine-like, depending on the gravity and grain bill. This is a relatively high gravity, 9.5, but there are higher ones you can yeah. get. The option is a slight malty character... Well, this, uh, such as caramel, but this uh, should only add a complexity and not dominate. Fruity esters may be low to moderately strong, may take on a complex dark fruit character. It's going to be similar to the flavor there. We don't really detect a lot of, uh, of fruity esters here. Yeah, it says very well amounts of fruity esters, hot bitterness, and flavor. Uh, medium to aggressively high bitterness should be in the beer. I guess there's you know medium bitterness. Yeah, there's there's bitterness there. There's definitely bitterness. But I think it's that lack of esters is what's really keeping it, or you know what we think of the imperial style type of esters is what's keeping us. Yeah, from thinking you know, that through a dark cherry or prune or uh, a raisin or plum yeah, or raisins. something like that. That's what I was trying to think of because to me the the raisins can sometimes come across as a little bit tinny, and so that's what I was trying yeah. to think of. Thank you. Yeah, and I, the like you said, you know, that the porter has the kind of powderiness to it. And it's not a bad pattern. It's just sort of you can detect that on your tongue. The, the the malt kind of feels a little bit like powdered cocoa. Right. Here's a good example for you. Anchor porter. Anchor porter is really raisiny. That tastes more like an imperial style than this does, doesn't it? And this tastes more like a porter than that <laughs> I, does. I haven't had anchor porter in a while, so okay. I don't really remember. All right. We got this interesting email from Johnny Max from uh, Brew Crazy. From Brew Crazy. And he... Uh, He's the guy with Captain Ron. Yeah, he sent us a, a, a word that came from Justin from the Brewing Network regarding brewcasts. Uh, apparently, the Brewing Network has copyrighted brewcasts, brewcasters, and brewcasting. They are terms that are proprietary to the Brewing Network, and uh, they have had them copywritten back before March of 2005. Hmm. Well, good thing we don't call good ourselves we don't use our Yeah, but I, I do think that's a little bit silly. I mean... Is brewcasting really that strong a copyright that you got it that it really needs to be defended? It, it's you know, it's a cute corruption of broadcast, right? I guess you can copy your trademark it, but I don't know. I mean, okay, I'm going to copyright right now beercast, <laughs> although I'm sure they have beercasts out there, right? Because we're we're not a brewcast; we don't brew. We've done it once, but I mean, we don't. Brew, we're, well, or beer. Yeah, I don't know. I see. To me, it's a stupid, cute corruption, yeah. and I don't see a point in using it. I, mean, well, I don't is, call myself a beer cast either. Yeah. When will when will iPod? When, when will Apple take podcasting and 
finally put the nail in the coffin on that one. They've been trying. Yeah, they won't let them have it. It's kind of uh, out in the box. It's Kleenex now. Xerox, you can't do nothing about it. Which is funny because I no longer hear people referring to tissues as Kleenex, nor do I hear people referring to copies as Xeroxes. I think Kleenex I still hear a lot of, but you don't hear Xerox anymore. Yeah. You still hear Band-Aid. Yeah. And of course you hear Budweiser, this is beer. Oh, is it? <laughs> Crap, we've been wasting our time for almost two years now. And Gary emails us somewhat to, on the similar topic. That is his opinion that during the craft beer explosion in the 90s, AB realized that they were losing ground, developed a new strategy. They decided to try and either buy competitors out or try to compete by brewing cheaper craft beer. After they got followers, they slowly reduced the malt and hops to wean us off the tasteful beer. Now, this is related to, uh, I think, in the Beer Geek Roundtable, we talked about how, or at least I felt that I didn't think it was Anheuser Bush's strategy, or it would have been a workable strategy for them to take good beers, capture them, and, and ruin them. Yeah, you hear a lot of people think, you know, swear that Red Hook has is not the beer that it used to be, you know. Uh, I haven't heard the same thing about the Widmer Brothers beers, but you could assume that someone out there saying it. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm half of me wants to say that it's it's fond memories. Yeah. I mean, we were going back. We prepared a list of our favorite beers of the year, and I had some ones where I was thinking of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that beer was great. And when I went back and looked to see where it ranked, how I ranked it, I ranked it like third on the show. Uh huh. So you know, it's like it's just a fond memory. Beer got better because <laughs> I hadn't drank it. You know. Right. Right. So. See, there's definitely something to that. I actually. Uh, I forgot my my list, so I only have three that I really remember right now. Bummer, but uh, we'll we'll go over that later in the show. But I, yeah, it, it's it's an iffy it's iffy thing. I mean, I think that Anheuser Busch to to some extent they have they have uh, an imperative. They have two co- corporate imperatives. One is to not do anything with the beer because that's what made it popular. The other one is to do something with the beer because they want it to be more popular. So. Well, you got to figure they have different motives. I mean, they bought Red Hook. Right. They kept Red Hook Brewery. Red Hook's still making the beer. They bought Rolling Rock. They closed the brewery and are making it themselves. So they must have felt that there was a reason to keep Red Hook brewing their own beer. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to sound like an apologist for, for Anheuser-Busch. Um, just saying, I'm just, my curiosity is, is, was Red Hook really that much better before? Right. Or was it because... There was only one ESB on the market, and oh wow, this is a great flavorful beer. And then people came out with better ESBs, and you think, oh, Red Hook used to be like this one. That's a good point. So I don't know. I haven't been drinking beer long, you know, Red Hook long enough yeah. to know what it used to be like. Uh, he also says that he thought the vanilla celebration was a fair attempt, but too sweet for his liking. Yeah, that pretty much. You know, I, th- I think the vanilla celebration works. I think it works. It's just not. It's yeah, not tr- celebration awesome. sweet. Like I, I kind of said on the show, I think you really have to comp- have that with some sweet food, like uh, chocolate mousse or something. I think that's when that beer really shines. Uh-huh. Uh, by itself, we drank it by ourselves. Yeah, actually, it wasn't as cloying as I thought it would be, but it still was pretty sweet. Yeah, we also started with it, so it was a little bit harder. He also, one thing he mentioned, what happened to the wonderful Amberbach? It's now sugar water. I don't think Amberbach was ever any good. Oh, maybe you never had it when it was wonderful. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but uh, I don't know, Gary. Maybe maybe they did you know, destroy Amberbach. I guess it's possible. That is the only one they kept around from You know, if old... I get to try Michelob Bavarian wheat, you know, in a year or two, if it does suck, then I will agree 
that they tend to water down beers. If it tastes like the one we had in Idaho, then yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, let's. Uh, That's, uh, here, oh, you still got some beer left. Yeah. What, what's this one again? This is the Eel River. This is uh, the Eel River Raven's Eye Imperial Stout. So uh, to uh, basically recap this one, it uh, had a lot of that dry powdery roast to it, um, some astringency, not much esters. Like you don't get any of the dark fruit that you're used to in imperial style. So to this, it tasted a lot more like a porter. Oh, that last sip, I got it got a little bit of prettiness. Oh, did you? Yeah. Of course. Throw yeah. it all out the window. Now yeah. you have to resample it. <laughs> we'll be revisiting in the post show because uh, we got half a bomber left of it. Next beer. Lagunitas Imperial Stout. This is the unlimited release, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Lagunitas is all over the Pittsburgh market now. And with just about every beer they make, you go to Three Sons and you can get just about anyone you yeah. want there. It's uh, And it's great because they're all good beers. I'm just surprised that they're making such a strong showing this far from you know home. Another jet black the head's not quite as dark on this yeah. one, but it is a thicker, bubblier head. Beautiful color on these things. Black. There's some of your fruit right there. Some fruit. Um, this one tastes. A little, it smells a little bit oxidized to me. Maybe a little bit. I get a little some caramel overtones and uh... see if it airs out a little bit. But that first aroma. It was a bit cardboardy. Oh wait, no, no, no! Band aids. I'm getting band aids. Hmm. Which is usually from chlorine in the water. Oh, it can be chlorine in the water. It could also be from uh, some phenols, um, band aid or medicinal. Man, I see where you're coming from, but I don't know if that may just be a corruption. See, to me, it's getting even stronger now. I'm smelling it more and more. Yeah, you're right. I taste it. Is it oxidation? Can it be coming? I mean, can it be coming across this way? Hmm. See, I'm not really tasting cardboard or cherry or cherries or anything like that, like you could get from oxidation. But I'm smelling that really strong. Uh, it's coming through pretty clearly in the taste. It's one of the first flavors. You know what? It's that's it, not band-aid. It's acetone. I'm getting an acetone type smell, like a nail polish remover. So behind that, I don't know. I'm not really. Getting anything exciting or really no? Noteworthy. It's kind of disappointing because Lagunitas is generally pretty good, but this one, I mean, I'm getting yeah, like an upfront kind of bandaidy, rubbery flavor, um, a little bit of bitterness. Have, good, actually, a good amount of bitterness. I have another bottle of this. You want to try it? Might as well give it a shot. Okay. See if, uh, Let's hold on. Okay, I got a second bottle here. The first bottle was one I bought here in Pittsburgh. The second one was sent from by our friend DP in Georgia. So hopefully he sent us the good one. <laughs> Is that pouring lighter? The head's certainly different on it. It's definitely just as dark as before. Look when you pour it. It pours like this ruby red. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not really smelling very much different. Tastes a little better. Yeah. It doesn't have as much of that. The aroma is um, was kind of scary because it was almost the same. It yeah. was not quite as strong, but you could still get some of it. But the flavor, 
I think we can at least work with this. The beer. bitterness is coming through more. Yeah, kind of, actually, more of a hoppiness here. Uh, definitely detecting a, a good amount of hoppiness. Um, cutting through uh, not quite as deep malt as I normally enjoy from an imperial stout. Uh, yeah, it tastes a little light bodied, even though there's a, something sitting on the tip of my tongue after I drink it. Is that where the bitterness is hanging out or something? Right there. Right there? Right, right in the front of your tongue? Yeah, like the like the main meat of my tongue is like feeling empty, but right there I'm getting something heavy sitting right in the front of my tongue. Hmm, okay. I see what you're going for. Yeah, a little bit of um, caramelly. I still detect a little bit of Band-Aid here. Yeah, there's still some in it. Uh, and maybe they do use chlorine, because I mean, too. A uh, brewery has to filter their water. Yeah. Or it would just be bad news. Okay, so let's go on. Let's use another email, what'd you say? Yeah. Um, oh, John Boy CSU got a very interesting email here. He uh, was asked, he, he he actually posted on our uh, forums about, if you we were wondering about how the good beer no shit line made it onto the label on uh, Flying Dog's Porter. The Road Dog. Yeah, the Road Dog. This was uh, on their website. The Road Dog Scottish Porter was... Uh, Launched in 1995, and they were told to remove the label from the shelves due to the alleged use of profanity. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say alleged. I mean, there it is. <laughs> uh, the offending text was Ralph's inscription. This is uh, Ralph Stedman was the artist. It simply read, good beer, no shit. We replaced the text with good beer, no censorship. With the help of the ACLU, we fought to get the original text reinstated in 2001. We achieved our goal, and today, good beer, no shit stands proudly as a, te- as a statement of fact on all Road Dog Scottish Porter labels. I guess this was an original work of art mm-hmm. that uh, they managed to somehow use the ACLU to get it by. It's good to see that the um, the TTB, Tax and Trade Bureau doesn't have you know final say. Yeah. Because... Yeah, you know, they are pretty prudish. I mean, come on, Santa's butt. Yeah. You saw the label. It, it's not his butt wasn't even as big as I thought it was when I actually looked at the label. So I mean, it just just crazy. Actually, that wasn't really TTB. That was Maine or someone who was having problems with that label. Just got a really interesting uh, flavor here. Kind of a, a Christmassy, uh, nutmegish type sort of uh, flavor. You, just, you you said nutmeg when you were trying before you just said it. I was thinking that one tastes a little bit licorice, a little an- anise or something like that. Just very faint. Nothing like it's such a strong spice that whenever you think of tasting, you yeah. think of overpowering your tongue. Where this is just a tiny little hint. It's interesting. Well, maybe we should reveal some of our favorite beers. Oh, it sounds good. Okay, I have three that I can remember. Maybe okay. if you if you announce yours, maybe I'll remember more of them. You know, well, I have five, and then I have another five. Um, wow, or six honorable mentions. Okay, well, okay, three that I so remember. we'll pad out the segment with those. Yeah, three that I remember that are sticking out in my mind. Uh, two of them actually came from Japan. Okay, or no, I'm sorry, two of them came from our our oceanic show. Right. Uh, one was the Hitachio's Nest. I just I really loved the the sake flavors that goes along mm-hmm. with it. I mean, I yeah, thought the it was rice really, was really yeah, unique in that one. It was so unique and so interesting and different that I that really was the red it. rice from yeah. Hitachino Nest. Uh, awesome. I mean, I could go for that any time. I, you know, I'm a sake fan too, mm-hmm. so I think that helps. Right. Uh, the other one was the James Squire Porter. I think that really kind of had everything I wanted in a porter. It, okay. it, it was caramelly and rich and roasty and had everything together. And it's it interesting just... you picked that one. Oh, oh really? <laughs> it's interesting. And I, you know, the last beer that I can think of uh, was the La Folie. 
which okay. we both really, I mean, we both said it was a wild beer when we were drinking it. I mean, that was yeah, yeah it was something <laughs> special. I mean, when I wanted to describe it just right now, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, wow, that was just a special beer. For oh, sure. another beer. Um, and I got to give Sam Adams credit. Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Okay. One of the most delicious Oktoberfest I had. Not quite the style. It was a little too malty for the style, but it okay. was so delicious that it really made up for it. Okay. So here, here's my top five of the year. Adam from Hair of the Dog. Remember Adam? Of we course. Him way back in like February or March. I, w- I wasn't sure if we did that last year or not. No, so okay, year. yeah. Well, then Adam was on my list too because I mean that was just. It, I guess it was an old ale, right? Is that how they described it? It described it as an old ale, I believe. It was. Um, we just need to try it again. It yeah. was smoky and delicious. Uh, Hair of the dog has two on my top five. Fred from the wood. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I went back and looked to see how we ranked normal Fred, and it wasn't our best barley wine of the night. I picked Victory ahead of it, and you picked Sierra Nevada Bigfoot ahead of it. Mm. But Fred from the Wood, whoa. Uh, two beers from our American Wild Beer. I had to put both Waffly and Sanctification on there. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm just a little prejudiced to the really extreme sour beers. Maybe I'm a puckerhead or something. You know, Instead of a hophead, I'm a puckerhead. And I think I am. I just love sour beers. Yeah. I just can't get enough. And then here's another one that you're go not this one but its brother is one you're going to want to put on your top five list. Okay. I think Kentucky Breakfast. Oh, was okay. The top five. And you're going to put Breakfast out on yeah, the top five. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that's right. Okay. I mean, just oh, man. And then I got a whole stack of um, honorable mentions, and some of these are more regular styles, not the crazy out there things. Yeah. So I kind of like this is a follow up list of here's really solid beers and normal, not. You know, extreme styles. Sure. The Little Creatures Pale Ale from Oceanic Show. I remember saying, this is one of the best American Pale Ales I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And we both ranked number one on that show. You ranked it above the Hattachino's Nest, and so did I. And it's funny, we're talking about how memory and beers get better with t- with memory. Yeah. I, I, too, was thinking about how great that Hattachino's Nest was. And we ranked it, I think I put it third. I put, yeah. I put the James Squire and the little creatures in front of it so i ranked the third on the show and we both remembered about how great that beer was yeah it's just it, it's so unique and different but and when we it was fresh on our palates it wasn't the best beer it was it, it had a lot to compete with right um but it it's one of those things where it's hard to say whether this is our best beer i, mean, I wouldn't call this list best beers this is just a list of beers that caught our fancy right and sure. um it, you know whether that's necessarily just us remembering what it's like, or just kind of—I uh, don't know whether it were this fond memories of the beer, or whether it's just really it, it struck us in, in the right way. And to follow you again, I too have an Oktoberfest on my list of honorable mentions. It's not Sam Adams, though. It's Anger. Anger. We a, had it at the Creek yeah. House. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, was that, that very amazing. good? Celis White has that. When you scroll up the east, it gets sour. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. why. I, it's on my list. Of you are a puckerhead. Yep. You're a mother pucker. Midas Touch. We had it a long time ago. Yeah. But we both raved about Midas yeah, Touch. Yeah, that's right. Midas Touch was great. Yep. And then the last one, I hesitated to put it on because we just had it last week. But Alaskan Winter Ale. With the spruce. Uh-huh. I yeah. think that's going to... That's, sp- that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all these things that I wish I would have remembered. The last one, the other thing that I was just thinking of, and now it just slipped my mind. Was, there was a beer that I had in my mind, like, wow, I remember that one, and it just slipped my mind. Oh well, <laughs> bummer. 
Yeah, the I was thinking like, man, the Alaska winter that spruce was so unique and good. But is it because it was the last show we did, or is it because it was you know worthy to be on the list? Did we do Ocarant this year? Yeah, that was in the, within the year. Ocarant. Ocarant. We we both put Midas Touch in front of Ocarant. But I mean, I I really have been desperately trying to find more Ocarant, and I can't. Okay. And that's you know, it. it really oh, I just heard. Uh, speaking of Dogfish Head, the brewery of Milton, Delaware. Uh, Guy who owns the Three Sons, Dogs, and Suds said they're going to stop making the chicory stout. Yeah, yeah it's not a big deal to me. It's not one of my favorite. It's certainly not one of my favorites yeah. from Dogfish Head. Just interesting note that you're not gonna be- if you like the chicory stout, you better get your hands on it. This has gotten more drinkable. He said it was a big seller there. They sold a lot of chicory stout. Really? Yeah, not one of my favorites. This uh, Imperial stout, is- the Lagunitas has gotten a little bit uh, better as it warmed up, I think. And yeah, just- it's still nothing... Nothing exciting. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not worthy of the year-end Imperial Stout show by any means. It's not where I thought it would be. Well, let's uh, let's go on to one that really should be. Oh, you don't want to go that one first? Yeah. Oh, got to save the best for last. I don't know whether it's going to be the best. Well, it better be the best. It better live up to the hype. All right. So uh, instead of going to. We'll give. We'll keep that a secret. This is the Bear Republic Big Bear Black Stout. I brought this one home from California, so I bought it in the summertime. It was on the shelves at um, Bevmo, so hopefully it wasn't abused there. Well, wow, look at the head on that sucker. That's like five fingers worth of head. Another- we're dr- oh, we're drinking out of Snifters tonight, as everyone should drink great Imperial Stouts, or even not-so-great ones. Snifters are just so much fun to drink from, you know? Yeah. I recommend them for everything, because you can swirl, the glass is nice and thin, and you can warm up the beer with your hand. Mmm, caramel and sugary aroma here. I wasn't able to really pick up too much aroma right now. I'm not sure if it's because of all the foam that's in there. Bam! Craig Likey. This uh, really has a lot of that dark fruit flavor. Has um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're finally getting into yeah. the, the prunes and... More of the silky texture that you're looking for. A little bit of the alcohol. Uh, not so much of the bitterness. Which is okay. I mean, I actually mm-hmm. kind of like it when it's a little bit malt-heavy. Um, this is very Republic, so you can expect... Look for hops in your next sip there, because, I mean, how do you expect this place okay, to have Okay, yeah, hops? there they are. Yeah, okay. you're right. Yeah. Um, Berry Republic is in Healdsburg, California. I got to visit the place when I was out in California. Pretty cool place. But, you know, it, it's not so much a lot of hot... It's, it's hot flavor. There's not a kind of amount of hot bitterness. There's, no, uh, no, yeah, it's really not that bitter. You get some... Get some Bitter slash astringency from the chocolate malt, the roasted malt, or, the, or I guess the black, the uh, the roasted barley. Yeah. Um, the hops, yeah, you get flavor, but not much bitterness there. It's an interesting combination. The hops are they're not like anything like that Lagunitas Cappuccino Stout, where it tastes like an IPA. Uh, at least to us, yeah. <laughs> hop repressed, <laughs> hop repressed Easterners. Uh, but you get some hop flavor here. I'm not really able to pick out like grapefruit or anything in particular, other than just a florally type. Yeah, kind of floral, maybe sort of uh, cascady kind of. Yeah, it could be something like that. Playing with all the chocolate mold, just a, it kind of changes its appearance when it's you know mixed it with all the chocolate mold. A little bit of pithiness that you associate with that. So, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of beers, what beer am I? What beer are you? Uh, you look like a uh, 
Imperial style. But what beer were we talking about last week? Well, we were talking about episode sixty-three. We had this is, we had we had like a three-part. Right. What beer am I? It was a it was a treasure hunt. We had two beer clues, and then you had to figure out what they had in common. So the first beer clue is: I'm a Belgian style strong golden ale. There are emperors, devils, a king, clergy, a dog, and a swine in my family. And the second clue was, I'm a Belgian-style strong dark ale. I have 13 brothers whose names end in the same four letters as mine, and one brother who is a scholar-slash-historian-slash-naturalist-slash-writer whose nephew also lives with us. We have a swine, too, but he is visually impaired. So, the first beer was Avery's Salvation. Mm -hmm. The second beer was Russian River's Salvation. And what do the beers have in common, Greg? Well, they seem to have the name Salvation in them. Well, there's something else if you read your cue card. <laughs> but the brewers are making a beer that's inspired by both called Collaboration, Not Litigation. Right. Interesting. So they're they're combining their efforts. It's a yeah, they they you know, I think Vinny called up the guy from Avery. I forget the brewers from Avery's name, so forgive me. James Spencer talked about this on Basic Brewing Radio, so this is old news for half our listeners. But basically, they're like, okay, we got beers with the same name. <laughs> what, should, what should we do? And instead of suing the other guy out of business, whoever had it first, they said, let's collaborate. So Salvation from Russian River is one of their sour beers. Mm-hmm. Um, Salvation from Avery is that strong style golden ale. They're going, Vinny's going to Avery in Colorado. And they're going to brew a beer that's inspired by both. It's so awesome. It's going to be some sourness. It's going to be a gold nail. And they're going to, it's called collaboration, not litigation. That um, that really is exciting me. And he, he might have already brewed it. I'm not sure exactly what the time frame was. I'm not sure. Um, but you can go to Avery's site, I think, and find more information about that. We had four people who wrote in with the full correct right answers. We had two people who didn't get the the connection part. <laughs> So, I'm oh, sorry. Try again next time. The winners are Drew Johnson, Brian Clouser, Benjamin Scott, and Brian Greenwood. Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. And the winner of the glass from East End Brewing Company by a good friend of good beer is... The answer is Benjamin Scott. Congratulations. You win a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. East End Brewing Company. I already said it. So. Buy a good buy friend, a good friend of good beer. beer. Again. Keep buying good friends good beers. Absolutely. So this week's clues for what beer am I? Well, uh, my mouth's already watering because I'm a Dortmunder-style lager. Mm, you like uh, you like DMS and graham crackers, huh? <laughs> I love a good Dortmunder. Yeah, they're good stuff. I'm made I'm, by a brewery who has produced beer since 1995. I am named after a local artist who painted a whistling boy. I have a brother who is a double dark IPA. And is named after a dead politician who was called Boss. So if you have a guess this week, send it to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. And if you're right, we'll put you in the drawing for another great pint glass from East End Brewing Company. That's right. Bag your friend of good beer. <laughs> and we are drinking the Bear Republic Big Bear Black Stout, and it's uh, nice and enjoyable. It's got uh, you know, it's got a lot of hoppiness for the style, which is okay. I mean, that, that's you know, yeah, certainly for American West Coast, you know, we can we can let them slide in with that much hops, and, and the guidelines will let them do that as well. It's it's got that not silky... tasting the alcohol still. Yeah, it's got the do we have this... the alcohol in this thing. Yeah, we do. It's eight point two, and you can't taste it. That's Lagunitas. Oh, um, I can feel it. I guess. <laughs> 
8.1. Yeah, none of the beers so far have tasted like... When I find my favorite Imperial Stout, it has that alcohol warming flavor. Uh-huh. So some of my favorites are Bell's Expedition, uh, Old Rasputin from Lost Coast Brewing. Right. Or, I'm sorry, North, North Coast Brewing. North Coast. Uh, Avery's the Czar. I guess Rogue's Imperial Stout is up there. Uh, and none of these have it so far. So, like, none of them are, like, reaching my, like, top ten, top five, really. Uh, I really love Black Chocolate Stout. I think that's really good. Yeah, Black Chocolate Stout's good. It hides the alcohol warming, too. And for this style, I just like tasting that alcohol. Storm King? What do you think of Storm King? Storm King's too hoppy. Storm King is crazy. When you drink it in a flight of Imperial Stouts, like we did last year, it's just crazy hoppy. It To me, it's too hoppy for me. Now, <laughs> if I drink it by itself, it's enjoyable. But if you drink it in a flight of Imperials, it's just too hoppy. It's just over the top. And the West Coasters are like, yeah, right. And East Coast are saying that Imperial Stouts over the top of hoppiness. Try some Storm King. Let me know what you think. <laughs> well, Corey emails us and says, As I stand in my kitchen tonight cleaning up from my Imperial Stout brew, Imperial Stouts, huh? I'm drinking AB Winter Bourbon Cascale listening to the pre-show. While I haven't listened to the Beer Geek Roundtable of the Pacific Brew News, I can't disagree with the vanilla sugar water description. Perhaps it was a new Glarus Raspberry Tart and Enigma that I had while brewing. There's absolutely nothing but vanilla in this beer. It's not awful, but it seems very one-dimensional. I agree it's a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, I also think that new Glarus Raspberry Tart and Enigma would probably affect yeah, your taste. Raspberry, I've had Raspberry Tart, and yes, it. I, I think you won't be able to appreciate what there is to appreciate. I don't want to sound like an apologist. The the Winter's Bourbon Cascale is one-dimensional. To me, it's halfway where it needs to be. Yeah. It, it's It's... It's about one third of the way to a winter solstice, right? Right. I just think it's a it's a it's a valiant effort, and calling it sugar water just sounds disingenuous to me. That's all. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like kind of give the boy a hand, you know? He he he, he tried. Yeah. AB tried. They made something reasonably. It's certainly better than Budweiser. I certainly rather much rather drink it over Budweiser and the other swill they produce. There's. There's good intention there. I really think there is. Like I said, it's one-third where it needs to be for me to pay to buy a bottle of it. So Jamie wrote in, another solid show, guys. That's great because, I don't know, I really wasn't feeling it, but awesome. (laughs) I'm glad the listeners like it. Oh, he he said, uh, you know, it's always good to hear you um, dig into the specific flavor and aroma analysis of beers. That's definitely a weak part of his appreciation. And he he just likes to hear about it. And, you know, I guess I'm actually developing a pretty descriptive palette because I've really had to work at this. I mean, we've done 64 shows now. Right. So it's like we've we've experienced a lot of stuff and we can kind of pick at things a lot easier than we had before. But I'm certainly not a super taster. Yeah. And I'm not, I didn't have as much food experience as Greg had, you know, with, you know, flavors and foods. I really had to work and, you know, finding the people think that, you know, it means a lot to me that, you know, I've advanced to the point where people are looking up to me in my flavor analysis. I don't know. Except for when I say it goes great with pancakes, I guess. But. <laughs> I do think that we're, we're, you know, if you listen to our old shows and to our shows now, we're much more able to pick out subtle things. We we really have expanded our ability to pick things. I don't want to toot our own horns. Well, you know, I think much. it's just practice, you know. Yeah, if, exactly. If, if everyone got together every week and, and tried to talk about the beers they were drinking, I'm sure they'd be as good as us. So, <laughs> so after only 64 weeks, you can sound like Jeff and Greg. <laughs> it takes some commitment. <laughs> 
But he said, uh, here at the beginning of the roundtable, uh, which I like the roundtable. Oh, it's, yeah, it's sure. It's fun to do. And uh, he, he found the early question by me, Greg, about what beer to... Stop tooting your own horn, anymore, yes, <laughs> ...that they can't find anymore. Interesting. The, the beer he misses is Stone Beer by Brimstone Brewing. This is really fascinating. It was in Maryland, and they were brought by Frederick Brewing Company at the same time they bought Wild Goose. And one of the ways they make beer, basically, this so, is this is also known as a Stein yeah, beer. Yeah, one of the ways you make beer before all the technology we enjoy now was fill a big pot with the wort, and then rather than heat it from the outside, put in these superheated rocks into the pot, and they boil the wort. And uh, what they did is they recreated this method of brimstone, and uh, they found the rocks that weren't dangerous that wouldn't explode. And what they happened is is the rocks would get kind of coated in toffee like caramelized. yeah caramelized and you actually put the rocks in the fermenter yeah uh, our homebrew club i have, wasn't there but they did a stein beer brew so think of it greg you how would you brew beer when you didn't have metal vessels or ceramic vessels and you only had a wooden pot i guess that's how you have to do it you have to right. heat up something and put it inside so they well they used metal pots for this but they heated up pieces of granite in the fire Put the fire in the beer, and there's lots of sizzling and popping when the rocks go in because they're super heated. But you know they they bring the beer to a boil, mm-hmm. and you have these tongs, and you when you pull the cold rocks out, you put them back in the fire, and they get the caramelization on it. And part of the Stein beer thing is to put the rocks in the fermenter, so the yeast eat away at that caramelized sugars as well, and that's part of the how you make and the Stein beer. The, and he says it releases these wonderful toffee-like flavors. I that could imagine. Really sounds great. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a beer I'd miss too if I ever had it. I bet so, I can definitely appreciate that. Jamie. Yeah, I could imagine why they, you know, why a professional, a commercial brewery wouldn't make that regularly. Because oh my god, the the labor involved with making that beer. Yeah, could you? I don't. I mean, I wasn't sure how many how much work it was, but can you imagine keeping a vessel boiling for an hour just by throwing hot rocks into it <laughs> and taking hot rocks back out? I mean, jeez. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, a large-scale vessel. Well, yeah. I mean, five gallons is one thing. Or ten gallons, <laughs> yeah. or whatever size the homebrew club did. But ten barrels? A little bit difficult. Yeah. Okay, so our final beer of the night, our last beer was the Big Bear Black Stout. This, this is beer a- has wax on the head. Pretty golden wax. This is one of the top beers uh, on Beer Advocate list and on Rate Beer it's list. It's number two on Beer Advocate. You have to go to the brewery on the day named after this beer, Dark Lord Day, April 29th, I think it was this year. And um, they sell out in a matter of hours. And Monkey Toe donated this beer to the show. Monkey Toe, you're our hero. I am eternally grateful. This is the most sought-after beer that, you know, I don't know, I'm just... Crafty Rate is successful because we had a listener willing to give us a bottle of this beer. This is this Dark is... Lord Imperial Stout from Three Floyds Brewing Company in Munster, Indiana. Look at that pour. Okay, so you get... Wow, look at that head. Head is... Head, uh, that's just, what color is that head? That head is... The color Coffee of chocolate beige. milk. yeah, yeah, the color yeah. color of chocolate milk. And it's you know, completely dark, as you might expect. Whoa. <laughs> I can't wait to smell it. I can't wait to smell it. Oh. <laughs> you know, my f- very first aroma, I smelled a little bit of that acetone again. What? I did. My very first aroma. Let's see if it's... Hopefully it's gone. I hope it's gone. I hope it's gone. I think you smell a lot of alcohol there. I think that's what you might be smelling. 
They definitely smell an alcohol in, in, in association with a lot of really dark, roasty malt. Lots of dark. Ro- Are you getting any kind of smoked flavor out of the malt? Maybe a bit. Just a tiny bit of taste smoke. to really tell, but. Mm. That is what I want in Imperial style. <laughs> wow. Okay, so, a lot of alcohol right up front. A lot of fusels from the alcohol. Um, very dark chocolate, bitter chocolate. Um, and the bitter lingers. The, yeah. The malt, and the malt, there's probably a fair amount of hops in this thing. It lingers and get the alcohol burning. I felt it going down the esophagus, a little bit of burning, almost like when you do a shot of whiskey or something like that. Kind of a sweetness that uh, is also, dare I say, a little sticky. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you're not a Stone fan, I could see where you might not like that stickiness there. Wow, that is complex. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, charred. To- I mean, I'm getting like burnt toffee, burnt chocolate. You know, burnt caramel, something like that. Now, you don't have to drink. You have to just sit here and analyze your aftertaste, your after aftertaste. It just evolves in your mouth. Because I'm still getting new flavors. Is the, is the sweet sweetness getting to you? It's a little too cloying for me. Oh, My no. feeling is that if you have to have a, a, a glass of water next to you when you drink a beer, it's not... <laughs> you have a glass. Stop yeah, complaining. I... <laughs> it's Dark Lord, damn it. Well, how high up there is Stone Imperial Stout? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> have you ever seen lacing so black? <laughs> the lacing on this beer is like so dark. I mean, I really want to like it. <laughs> Let me put it that way. This is 2006, Three Floyds. And I don't see the alcohol written out here. It's not horrible. I mean, I don't want to imply that, like, oh, it's terrible. But it does just... It sticks in my craw, but it has a little bit of that retaining cloyingness that I really just don't like. And... I know that there are people out there who love that. And for the people who love that, this is your beer. I mean, this along with, you know, the, the stone and all the other stuff, this is great for those people. But for me, my personal taste, I don't know if I really enjoy the cloyingness so much. I don't really like that stickiness where it just stays there like it's attached it, it to It certainly t- coats your mouth. I mean, I yeah. feel it on my teeth. I'm feeling it on my gums. It's just everywhere in my mouth. You know what's really bumming me out is in the aroma, I'm still smelling that Band-Aid acetone type stuff. That nail polish remover. And now I'm actually kind of smelling it a bit too. So I'm, I am I don't taste it at all. So I'm just avoiding the aroma while I'm enjoying this beer. It's like, I mean, I can appreciate it, but I can't love it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... The flavor is so complex. The flavor is very so, complex. You know, for me... Ignore the aroma. For you, ignore the sweetness. But look at that flavor in between. It is. It's crazy. They're, they're, it's I mean, really, it really crazy. It really is. It really is. It, it, there's so much to it. There's a, it's, if, if you get over the, the cloyingness, if you can ignore that part of it, there's a lot of good stuff there. And the, the cloyingness knocks it down a couple notches in me. There are plenty of people. I mean, if... <laughs> If the the list on beer advocates are for any indication, there are plenty of people who would go nuts for this beer, and so I'm guessing a great deal of our audience would go nuts for this beer. 
So it, right. don't listen necessarily to me. Um, well, you know, I don't. Maybe I'll tell you now. It's not my favorite beer of the night. It isn't. It's uh, it's delicious. It's complex, but I can't look over overlook the aroma. I don't know whose fault the aroma is. I don't know if it's Three Floyds. I doubt it's Monkey Toes because it's only his possession for yeah. a little bit, or if it's mine because it was in the cellar. Most of my beers don't taste like that. Just the Lagunitas does. They were on different sides of the shelf, right? <laughs> so, and you think every beer like in between, but um, it's not going to be my favorite of the night because of the aroma. Well, might as well get to our list sure. for tonight. I think our number one is is the same. My number one is going to be the Raven's Eye. Oh, really? It is because, yeah, okay. yeah, it's definitely the Raven's Eye because it was clean tasting. It was this is one from Yale River. Eel River's been a brewery that's continually impressed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place that showed us that they could make good organic beer, because we haven't had a good organic beer from other places. Yeah. Uh, and this one, it didn't taste like an imperial stout. But out of the it four was, beers, it was, very it was the highest, the beer with no flaws that I could taste. I mean, it might not have been perfect for the style, but it was good. There was nothing wrong with it. The Lagunitas tastes like acetone. Mm. The Dark Lord tastes like acetone. It smelled like acetone. It smelled like acetone, right? The Berry Public wasn't. It wasn't Imperial Stouty for me enough. I mean, just didn't have what I was looking for. Okay. So, just because it was middle of the road, it's not getting number one. My number two is going to be tough. Because um, Berry Public didn't have flaws, but it was middle of the road. The Dark Lord smells a little bit like acetone, but has that really complex flavor. I think out of honor, I'm going to have to put Dark Lord second, Berry Public third, and Lagunitas fourth, because Lagunitas had so much acetone in it. Okay. Just didn't do it for me. Mine's a little bit different. I think I put Berry Public first, because I think that was the most enjoyable beer of the night to me. I mean, it had the hoppiness, right, but it also had that fruitiness you expect from from the style, a little bit of the silkiness. I mean, it was really... I was really digging the the, the big bear. I, I don't, you say it was, was kind of ordinary to you, and it, I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm going to go with the Bear Republic number one. Number two, I go with the Raven's Eye though. The Eel River, like you said, it, they do continually impress us, and you know they got to go on one of our favorite. Uh, yeah, a brewery that can solidly impresses and is good is Eel River. If you live out in California, look for it, man. Their organics are better than anything I've had so far. And even their non-organic beers are tremendous. Yeah. Good stuff. Dare I say number three is Dark Lord. Uh, it's just that it, it's that stickiness. I mean, I'm drinking the rest of this and I'm enjoying it, but there's that part of me that's like, which I really, really, I really dislike the cloying stickiness. It just, it, it, it hurts my soul to say that I don't like the Dark Number Lord two that much. ranked beer in the world. Yeah, that I don't like it nearly as much as, say, the, the Bear Republic or the Raven's Eye, but I don't, and that's just the way it is. And then, you know, Lagunitas loses just because they kind of have some bad taste in their beer. And that's that's going to put you in the last pretty much every time. Yep. I'm enjoying the parts of the Dark Lord that I can enjoy. Just overall... It, it's not the number two ranked beer in the world yeah. to me. Bell's Expedition Stout. Oh, yeah. Kills this beer. I think so, too. Kills it. So. 
All no right. accounting for taste, is there? Yeah, we're going to lose some listeners, I think. <laughs> I bet you we get some email from people. Well, now that I'm saying this, we might not. But if I didn't say this, I bet you we get email from people saying, what the hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, let's put it that way. This is just, like we say, this is our opinion on the beers. This is not what you should feel. This is... Well, it's kind of like the Westville Letter in 12. We said it was a good beer. There was That beer had nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But we didn't say, oh my god, it's the best beer in the world. Right. So, it just it's just part of that thing. And I would love to try Dark Lord again. I don't think it was going to send it to us now that we didn't rave about it. Yeah. But... You know, we probably just sealed our feet in that way. But if anyone wants to send us a Dark Lord after next April 29th, or if you have an old version hanging around. I tell you what, man, give me a breakfast out any day of the week over this one. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I agree with you, too, on that one. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to us this week. Next week, we're probably going to stay on the winter style. We've got two ways we can go. We could do, uh, we could do like, barley wines. I think we could do a whole series because we have a vertical Bigfoot tasting we can do. Okay. Plus other barley wines. And for the vertical Bigfoot tasting, I want to get Keith, our homebrew guru guy. Well, that sounds like fun. We so should do that. Keith come up. So I'll, I'll email Keith and see what we can do. We got some other st- beers. So I have that at the top of our upcoming beer list. I got that Irish-Scottish conglomeration show, which, you know, we got some beers that aren't very strong that aren't going to last forever. We probably should try to get through those okay. today. So we might do a couple shows of beers we need to drink while they're still good. 52 weeks in a year, and we generally do about 45, 46 of those weeks. So, yeah, yeah we'll find we'll find the time to get those in, so sure. All right. Well, that's what we'll be doing in the near future. Thank you very much for listening to Craft Beer Radio. It means the world to us. Send us some email, beer at craftbeerradio.com, and tune in next week for another great it's up to you if you don't think it's great, but another great show. Another outstanding, excellent, superb show. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Tune in next week for more and check out our site at craftbeerradio.com for our archive of shows. Our opening and closing music was Out of Towners by St. Dragon, available on the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Party on, everybody! Find a hidden place in the people that we have got the